Welcome to the Doll Podcast. I'm your host, Louisa Maxwell. My guest is Australian artist, animator, sculptor, and designer, Joseph Zekaras. As a senior animator at Walt Disney, Joseph brought a cast of imaginary characters to life. He is also the author of best-selling comic books and graphic novels. Inspired by his love of sculpture and fashion, he created his fashion doll line, Glamour Oz Dolls, and received the accolade of American Dolls Awards of Excellence Industry Choice Winner of 2020. Joseph, welcome to the Doll Podcast. We have so many beautiful dolls to discuss today. Thank you very much for the invite to come and speak with you. Um, and I'm um, hoping I can introduce you to my dolls in a way you may not have known of them before. They're really amazing. I've seen them on the internet, all the buzz around when you won the award. And they're just fantastic, statuesque, glamorous dolls in beautiful fashion. So we've got loads to talk about. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm glad. And of course, it's exciting for me. You're doing this all the way from Sydney, Australia. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm in Vienna, Austria. So we had many hours time difference. And we're doing it. That's the power of the World Wide Web, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Joseph, you're an award-winning graphic artist that worked with Disney. How did you turn your talents towards dolls? One of the great illusions of doing 2D animation is that the image we see moving on the screen is 2D and flat. The artist has created that character and movement within the 3D space of their own imagination, even before putting pencil to paper. Apart from all animators infusing their characters with personality and acting, the 2D animator additionally must know and have the skills to draw three-dimensionally. Having practiced this skill, it allows me to visualize my doll sculpt from head to toe and how it be articulated even before I've started. You put this whole process together that you'd been doing with your animation when you went to design your doll. Yes, I, I think so. Having the experience of animating the Disney princesses like Ariel and Jasmine has opened up to me an intimate understanding of what makes these characters tick in both personality and visual design. The lessons from that understanding, I've invested in my own Glamorized Dolls line, where my dolls' sculpted faces, because obviously they're hard plastic, still exude personality. This with their tall body proportions and the articulation allows for them to pose fiercely with personality. Oh yeah, definitely. They have that fierce style. Of course, the first doll was Elizabeth Bizell? Uh, the very first dolls that I did were in 2001 is when I did my first sculpt. And in 2003 and again in 2006, I released editions of Elizabeth Bizell and her sister Cotillyn Bizell. And that was well before the internet was really happening with social media. Not only was I self-investing in that financially and time and everything like that. I, I didn't have the funds to do the huge advertising that I needed to sort of have it seen overseas. So it, it flopped after those two edition runs that I did. But the editions were very, very small. And then when I decided to return to doing dolls about 15 years later, thinking I would never return, I still had the IP 
and, and the trademarks of all the names still registered. So that's why I had Elizabeth and Cotillins returning as characters. And then, of course, I decided I wanted to add uh, Bindi Miranda and Lucille Lay as my new characters additionally. It sounds like it's been quite a journey. I mean, you've you've really developed this. And the other thing is you've you've stayed with it. You've believed in the line. You started with just a couple of dolls, then there was a hiatus. And now you're at a point where there's how many dolls are in the line? Four characters, Elizabeth and Cotillin, uh, and both of them are the Bezal sisters. And then we have Bindi Marinda and Lucille Lay. There's 10 editions that I've done. Eight of them are mainline editions and two variant editions of 100 pieces each. Wow. So what's the inspiration behind these four? You've got the two sisters and the other two dolls. What's the inspiration behind the four different personalities? Elizabeth and Cotillina, they're Caucasian, so they're, they pre-existed as characters. And when I was wanting to expand, just having two, because uh, I, I knew going in to work with the factory that I had to have a minimum number of dolls produced, I knew two faces would not be enough, and I thought I want to expand and uh, populate my very little world with new faces and personalities. And I thought, well, um, I don't see very many Asian faces in the collectible doll world, and I thought I would like to add my own, which would be Lucille Lay. I'm Australian, so I look to my own nation's black community as inspiration for Bindi. Oh, that's fantastic, because I think it's a really wonderful thing you do. You've looked to your own cultural identity there in Australia, and you're bringing this to the world. And that's a very unique concept, along with the actual unique style of the doll. Thank you. They're also very, very sophisticated. What's the inspiration behind the beautiful clothes that these dolls wear? Well, uh, the original fashions were done in the 60s um, and late 60s, maybe moving into the early 70s. And they were all done by Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore is my brother-in-law's father. And unfortunately, he's not with us. But at the time that his son, my brother-in-law, Michael, was courting my sister. Stephen took interest in my art and my skills and we started drawing together where uh, he would draw a fashion sketch on one side of the page and I would draw a companion fashion character on the other side, Stephen Moore. It's in the who's who of Australian art because he's done lots of lead lights, windows and artworks across Australia. There's even a church here right in the middle of Sydney that has his amazing works on display. And uh, my brother-in-law and sister got married at one of the churches near where we live. I mean, they're all over the country. And, uh, and not only is he known for that, but he's known for his sculpting and his painting work. He gave me as a gift a collection of about 80 sketches that he had done through his life again mostly in the, in the 60s 
so having all of these sort of things happening, he could never really sort of exercise his imagination in illustration in a work environment. So he did that for himself privately because he was just, he loved fashion. So yeah, he gave them to me as a gift and said, I think you should get into fashion. And if ever in the future you would like to use these, you have my permission. So when I came around to doing the dolls, I was like, well, I did my own fashions for my first line that I did in the early 2000s. My experience was that you only get a limited chance till it can happen again. And I was thinking, if this was my one chance of doing the Glamorous dolls, what do I want them to wear? And I thought, well, those are the fashions that Stephen gave me. Uh, he's a fantastic artist that's known Australia-wide. And these are fashions that were done in the 60s. And I was thinking, Australian fashion on an Australian doll from the 60s, what could be a better match? It's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And you're bringing together so many really great looks because for so many of us, if you think about like vintage Barbie and yeah. the dolls are a vehicle, they're a story absolutely. about fashion and fashion history. And I especially love, because we've had some you know, fabulous dolls uh, mentioned Barbie, but Jean went into the, the kind of the movie star era, the 40s, mm-hmm. the 50s. And to have a doll come into the 60s and be a high fashion doll is really fabulous. And that's what I love. I love this kind of chic adventure that you can have with a doll, you know, and that is oh, absolutely. that is what's amazing about dolls. It's, it's the unique selling point of dolls, that they do this for us. We're not going to dress up like Doris Day. But our doll can. <laughs> oh, yes. You know? They are yeah. they're miniature avatars that we live through. Yeah, definitely. And that we can have adventures through or mm. think about and create for, whether it's Victorian, whether it's 60s, whether it's 70s. It's amazing to see how often we reinvent these fabulous styles. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So this is amazing. This is like a really wonderful synergy and family affair of everyone coming together. And this project has such a great energy behind it. It's got a leading Australian artist. It's got a leading Australian animator and artist and yourself. It's got so many fabulous influences to come together to create these wonderful dolls. Well, thank you. Thank you. I I wanted them. uh, I wanted to honor Stephen for his influence in my life to help not just me, but also my parents know that there could be a path to, you know, an adulthood where I work as an, as a professional artist, because (laughs) I, uh, yeah, they they would think of Paul Vincent with his uh, ear cut off and I'd say that that'll be your life. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I never understand. I never understand why parents don't embrace the arts as a career for their children, because it's a billion dollar, whatever currency you want to use, euro, pounds, whatever, dollar business in every country, in every territory. And yeah, if you don't become the biggest, you know, Vincent van Gogh or whatever, you know, you do become the thing you want to become within the industry. You find your space. Yes. But it is, it is a hard journey, though. 
It is a it is a journey that has many paths, doesn't it? Yes, and I was very very lucky because just as I was finishing high school, I did some animation work experience with Hanna Barbera for a little while. They had a studio here, and then that studio, while I was doing the work experience, and I was in in their offices, the the company and building and staff had been purchased by an unknown. And they were, they were told I had to clear all of the Hanna-Barbera artwork from the building and put it in the trash. Oh. And, of course, we were, we were all there and the other people that were working there. And, of course, I was a guest doing a work experience. And um, they said to me, oh, yeah, grab a few of the cells and backgrounds out of the, out of the big bin that was, you know, having things thrown into it. So I had, I had a Berenstein Bears set up and a Scooby-Doo set up and everything like that, which, which is like real backgrounds and cells from, that were just being thrown away to be discarded and destroyed because the company that would, has, had moved in and purchased everything was Walt Disney. So then the following year when I finished the uh, finished my school, I, I went straight to Disney and, and said hello, and uh, they hired me. So it was a straight out of school into Disney. Wow! So you went straight from Hanna Barbera, which has, has so many uh, tremendous characters. Uh, my Saturday morning cartoons as a <laughs> child were populated by Scooby Doo. Also, they did Fred Flintstone. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Yeah, and and then and then you're moving on to things like iconic things like the Little Mermaid. You've been involved in so many exciting projects. It's just amazing. Well, it's been absolutely a, a ride. <laughs> Some of the time, I mean, I was I was one of the co-designers myself and Matthew Hatton. We were the creators of the 2000 Sydney Olympic mascots. So that was really wild. <laughs> yes. So that's a departure again. You see, you see parents out there, if you have kids who want a career in the arts or you're an adult who's thinking of a career in the arts, take an example from Joseph of the amazing adventure you can have. It's just so exciting, isn't it? <laughs> it can be. <laughs> it has its ups and downs. <laughs> it's also, though, it's also, it's also very brave. It has its ups and downs. Yes, I've had them myself. <laughs> Glamorous Dolls is the perfect name for these Australian supermodels. And fashion doll Elizabeth Bazell is 18 inches tall. Yes. And she's ready to strike any pose with 14 points of articulation. Yes. She's a beautiful, mobile, sculpted doll. But when we look at the female characters you've created in your comic books, yes. there is a real similarity to your dolls. So what characters in your comic books inspired Elizabeth? Because it's so interesting to see the journey of an artist. Well, I think every artist has their own artistic stylization that they can never truly shake, which when embraced and refined usually becomes the defining characteristics of their art style. So when animating for 2D animation at Disney, with each film having its own art style, for instance, like Hercules does not look at all like The Lion King. So all, all the characters have a very particular style and, and the films as well. Each 2D animator has to learn uh, this new art style by breaking it down to learn how to rebuild it for the needs of the characters of the film. 
This skill of pulling apart an art style and rebuilding it to understand it allowed me to look at and understand my own art style in this same way so that I could pull it apart and rebuild and understand how I do my own artwork. So my dolls are a 3D physical embodiment of my own innate 2D art style. One of the things that inspired me to create my Glamorous dolls was that I could not find to purchase what I wanted in a 16-inch scale fashion doll, one that was more proportioned like a supermodel, say 18 inches. So I made her to fulfill that need for myself with hopes that it resonates with fashion doll collectors who enjoy having a different body type for their 16-inch doll collection, as my dolls can share my 16-inch doll clothing and shoes. I've noticed that online when I've been studying pictures of your dolls, that you often post pictures of the dolls wearing outfits from other fashion doll lines. Oh, absolutely. It was a conscious design element. I wanted my dolls to be able to share 16-inch clothing and shoes from different lines, um, from Jean to Tyler uh, to the amazing fashions that Doug James did for his Summers and Fields line and fashions from the 16-inch doll releases of Integrity Toys and, of course, Super Doll. <laughs> I have such a huge wardrobe of clothing, personally, for dolls, <laughs> for 16-inch dolls. <laughs> uh, Isn't it the great joy of collecting? And you try one on the other and one on the other. Yes. And it's so much fun because you can play with different fashions and different sizes and different proportions. It's just so interesting. What excites me about the uh, sharing of garments on different dolls is when we see on the catwalk the supermodel walking down with, with the fashions made to a catwalk model's fit and dimensions, it is probably the purest example of what that fashion would be as imagined by the designer. Right. Yes. And yes. then when it's purchased and it's on a celebrity, it can look amazing or maybe it has more real proportions that come into play and change how that garment sits, falls, shapes against a different body type than that as presented on the catwalk. Looking at these two ways, what's the difference not really the dress, yeah. though maybe the measurements, <laughs> but, uh, but also the actual model herself changes how a garment can be presented. So that's sort of what I'm introducing with my dolls into the market. All the other dolls are mostly 16 um, at height in the 16-inch range. That's why it's called 16 inches. And I thought, well, let's see, what would these fashions look like on a 18-inch doll? Uh, that has those kinds of proportions. And and the result is, wow, the dolls that the fashions originally come on, of course, look spectacular and wonderful and absolutely perfect in every way, and I love them as they are. Uh, but as someone who loves to redress my dolls, and especially the doll I've made myself, when I, when I redress it into these fashions, I feel that there's a like a, a catwalk-ready elevation to the presentation of those same fashions. Yeah. And that's what I think my dolls bring to that different uh, play 
with redressing fashion dolls yeah. and enjoying it in that way. Which is a great thing about fashion and a great thing about dolls because you can just, as we say, play. We can just play and enjoy and photograph and share. The experiences of us humans wearing fashions, season through seasons and years over years, is our bodies change constantly. Yes. We put on weight, we lose weight. Yeah. And the fashions we wore before that was special, we can't wear again or um, we have to get new clothes to fit. And so it's, it's a constant movement of connection with clothes. And I think with dolls, once you've purchased it, it can be static. The dolls uh, and the, the fashions aren't going to go out of style. The doll isn't going to change its shape necessarily <laughs> unless you move it around, the, the, move the fashions around. But you, you can, if you want to have the garment explored with a different shape, you can with all the different body shapes, so much even more in the 16-inch doll world than in uh, the sort of Barbie 11.5, 12-inch world. That's very, very it, – it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily the scale. I, I think that Barbie is so, like, so established that uh, anything that goes in to challenge that is instantly on an uphill battle. Because that's what they're what they're competing yeah. against. Whereas the sixteen inch doll world, and like Barbie that started in nineteen fifty nine, um, the collector sixteen inch world really started with Mel Odom in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, followed by Jean uh, with, with Jean. Yes, Jean Marshall, absolutely. Um, and that because it's it's. It's within, you know, yeah. not too many decades that this all started. And with all the creators that have put their artistic style into dolls and onto the market that are 16-inch dolls, the body shape uh, variety is actually quite huge. Yes, it is. Yeah. I think there's space in that sort of arena for um, <laughs> multiple or even more body shapes. I'm just really pleased that um, I've had the opportunity now to have two that have entered into the marketplace. We well, see that's a really wonderful thing, and of course, we we can't not mention Robert Tonner, who's played with body shape a lot and and yes. continues to design and redesign fashion and mixing vintage. And then Mel Odom's Jean, what a wonderful mm -hmm. doll! Jean changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> for me too. <laughs> yeah, for me too. You saw Jean and suddenly you had this wonderful mannequin, this wonderful muse to dream with, and also the movie star quality, and also with Robert Tonner's Tyler, who again was fashion. Mm -hmm. This is the size that collectors love because it just gives us that bigger proportion to work with. And of course, Mattel now have introduced so many body shapes and so many sizes it's a really interesting time for Barbie collectors, whether mm. you're more a vintage collector, but the modern dolls are becoming just as exciting. And, you know, there's some amazing body types and fashions coming into that line now. It's getting really, really exciting and fun. It is. Do you collect dolls? That's the question we've talked about. Mel Odom's Jean and all the various dolls. Do you collect dolls too? 
I, I collect 11 and a half and 12 inch dolls. That includes Mattel, Integrity Toys, and a few of those Bison dolls. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite cute. Do you collect Barbie? Uh, more in the sense that I did as a kid, and I have a few sort of like from that time and end in my journey of collecting. I don't really buy all that much 12-inch dolls at the moment. My focus is uh, the 16-inch dolls. I have uh, so many Tana dolls. I have so many Super dolls. I have so many Summer and Phil's dolls. And I, I love each and every one of them. Um, uh, but as much as I have loved them, as an artist, I guess I was not seeing my vision yeah, yeah. presented. So that's why I, I felt a need to create my own. I think this is the adventure that every doll maker, doll artist goes on. They don't see the thing they want in the market and they say, can I do this? And then the journey starts. The doll goes out into the marketplace and people go, oh yes, this fits in with my vision and my idea of a muse and then off we go again. And whether we create fashions for them ourselves, sewing at home, or we just dress and redress them and enjoy them, it's an adventure. Oh, absolutely. So a range of patterns has been launched by design by Jude's Tamara Casey so that we can create our own looks for Elizabeth and her friends. Yes. How do you feel when you see your doll becoming a muse for other designers and collectors? Um, it's thrilling, I think, to see my dolls find their audience and earn their supporters' love. I've always wanted my dolls to be a muse for other designers and collectors to enjoy and explore with their own fashions. And the fashions created by Tamara, Casey, have been both absolutely beautiful and exciting. I'm so very honoured that my grandma's dolls have entered her catalogue of thousands of amazing fashions. Just amazing. I know. She's, she's such a great collection. And also her patterns are very versatile. Yes. I've made her patterns myself for other dolls, and I'm looking forward to making her patterns for a Glamorous doll. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm on the internet just like everybody else going, oh, wow. I, I think that we all find our creative juice to a degree with our dolls that we interact with, those that are collectors, of course, <laughs> because they are points of like inspiration yeah. for we collectors. And when we uh, want to sort of express, uh, we find it in our dolls. I mean, like that's the journey that, that brought me <laughs> to this point of being a, a doll creator. I mean, like I, I love the dolls, so I wanted to make a doll. So uh, I can see many doll collectors that I love dolls and I love fashion. I may not make a doll, but I can make the fashion that creates the look for that doll. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you can get put your own spin on things and it's yeah. an individual expression. Hmm. So after this wonderful journey we've discussed of you creating these dolls, combining them with your artistic talent and collaborating with other artists, how did you react when you were chosen as the winner of the American Dolls Awards of Excellence Industry Choice Award in 2020. It must have really validated all these amazing choices you made. Well, I was 
totally overjoyed to be recognized by my peers in this international industry as the award helped vindicate to myself and my family that the long journey of creating and producing an entire new doll line from scratch, including the sculpting, the fashion, the prototyping, the production, the legal contracts, the design patents, the trademarks. Yeah. All of this to bring to life 10 editions of finished box dolls. Yeah. All as a self-funded solo artist from Australia. Wow. That was worth it. It was worth it. But when you list it like that, when you tell us about the legal, the trademarking, all these essential elements of bringing a product to market. Yeah. And when it's bringing a piece of artwork to market, as the dolls are. Yes. There's so much involved. I mean. The pre-production took me two years. That was the, the sculpted I had already finished. I'd taken it to China. It was scanned into the computer so that the articulation could be added into it. Then the molds were made, and that was an arduous thing that happened and had to re-happen. I decided, really, I can't do this from Australia if things can go wrong on a dime. So I was, okay, after I had this two-year journey, which included the contract negotiation, which took 10 weeks to negotiate the contract in China because the factory, of course, doesn't want to be liable for anything. But of course, they have to be. What should have been a two-week finished deal, as I said, took 10 weeks. So then came into doing the production. That was another two years. I lived in China for two years for the duration of the doll. And I was, I was at the factory like every day, sometimes seven days a week because there was workers that were working every day and uh, I was living across the road from the factory and I had nowhere to go. So I, ju- I, I, I just stayed at the factory for, for every day of the week um, uh, to get things done. We never realise how much goes into these wonderful dolls that give us so much joy and so much pleasure and how much the artist has to really invest and the people who design have to invest in the process just as you did. Yeah, there was a journey that I was not expecting to be as long as it was, nor as as expensive as it was. Uh, But the the thing is, when you enter into this type of journey, I was asked, for instance, once by a family member, didn't you do your research? Didn't you find out everything? Didn't you know all that was going to be ahead? But... There are no courses for this kind of thing. People in the industry are very closed-mouthed about what these parts and elements cost and how long they take. And the factory also will not tell you the full story beyond the step that is just ahead. So all of those elements is you are literally learning the step as you're taking it. It's a unique journey. As you said, there's no course. There's no way of knowing. No. It's not something people do very often. No. And people can say, oh, there's toy companies. Yeah, they have loads of staff working for them. And so many people work. And loads of money. Yeah. And it's bankrolled on the back of other products they've done. 
everyone, yeah, takes a gamble on the first thing, but they've taken a gamble like you've taken a gamble, and that's how they establish something. Mm -hmm. But with a piece of art like this, it's, it's a different process, and it has to happen when it happens and as it develops. And that's the story of art all over the world, whether it be music, fashion, design, sculpture, animation. Mm -hmm. This is the way it, it pans out. And, and certainly the creation of these dolls, yeah, they, they are, uh, it's, a, it's a passion project. But of course, I would love that it also be financially uh, working because I would love to continue doing dolls, you know, forever and a day. Glamour Oz Dolls is the perfect name for these Australian supermodels that you've created. What was the inspiration from Australian fashion and Australian supermodels for your dolls? One of the things that I looked at with Australian fashion, especially catwalk models, we have an amazingly famous, internationally famous model called Elle McPherson. Yes. Who is known as The Body. Yeah. And uh, she has a nice gorgeous figure. And if I was going to say I was looking at any particular type of body, I would say she would be the most closest to the way that I wanted to capture the figure. She stands for health, beauty, a whole new attitude on the catwalk and a very strong yes. female presence. Because not only that, but she's quintessentially Australian in her look. Yes. You know? And, uh, and that is not just how her face is and how her, her beauty comes across, uh, but her, her like her body structure. She's a, uh, you can tell she loves to swim with the broad shoulders that she has. She creates a beautiful figure on the catwalk or in photography, and that I think was very much in the back of my mind as I was sculpting the doll. That's a supermodel. That's what. That's what I wanted to capture in my dolls, yeah. And you have. You've got that marvelous proportion, the long legs, the curves, the strength, the athleticism. It's all fantastic and makes a beautiful silhouette for us to dress. And I think not only that, but one of the things that I also looked at when sculpting my doll was not just how the, how the parts are interlocking, but also at what bias cut do you make the articulation so that it can move to what extremes of poses? Because if you cut it a certain way, you cut movability. And I've seen that so many times on dolls that are out there that's currently available, but cannot do the sorts of poses I wanted my doll to do and isn't necessarily about having multiple joints. It's about using the joints you have most effectively. Yes. Um, so I feel that I've gotten that out of the, the number of articulation points that I've got. So, you know, the doll can have its hands on its hips. It can thrust the hip out and do that sort of end of the catwalk pose, you know? Yeah. All of those things that you want to have your doll embody. And that photography is such a big part of doll collecting. Mm. If the doll can really do those poses, and yours do, strike a fabulous fashion pose, it just makes the picture so much better. It sells it. Yeah, that frozen moment of fashion. 
where the doll seems to come to life. Yeah, I think it's, it's important to have it in the way that the face is painted and, and sculpted. But I see many dolls that can have that vacant look. Yes. Where you take the photograph and sort of no matter what you do, it doesn't capture them like being in the moment, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. What I wanted with my dolls is that they have that I'm here in the moment sort of facial expression. And that comes across with how um, I feel it's sculpted and it's painted and how I've um, worked the articulation so that I could get those kinds of poses. I think when someone looks at a doll, because it's one complete unit, obviously the doll itself, the fashion, the makeup, the hair, um, the accessories, the packaging, listed so many things already that make up a doll. But when we don't really consider that when we look at a doll, because I think as collectors, we look at the unit as like one thing. Though we might come in and focus in on certain details and marvel, oh my God, she's got amazing makeup or her hair is amazing. We don't necessarily sort of compute each one of those small details was its own job and its own artistic uh, expression and development and understanding to get to happen to be at that professional level. So how do we get your dolls? Because the Doll Podcast has listeners in, I think, 37 countries all around the world, lots of different currencies and distances to cope with. What's the best way for us to find out more about getting our own Glamour Oz doll? I think I have a perfect way for that to happen. <laughs> I do have a website it's, uh, which I sell direct to the customer, and that is at www.glamourozdolls. That's the European spelling of glamour and OZ and dolls. So all as one word. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll also have uh, pages, a special dedicated web page, and also on our Facebook and Instagram, lots of pictures of the dolls, oh. <laughs> lots of imagery, and lots of links so that you can get your own Glamorous doll and you can see more and find out more about Joseph's adventure. Thank you. So what's next for Glamorous dolls and you, Joseph? What dolls events will you be attending in 2022, 2023? What's happening? Well, currently all the events uh, I'll be attending or have been attending are within Australia, though I'm open to look beyond in 2023. And my emphasis at this point of time is to support my inaugural line of the Glamour Oz dolls to find their new homes and collections to live in and be enjoyed. I'm hoping to build the finances needed for future seasons of the Glamour Oz dolls all new exciting fashions. Oh, so that's going to be exciting for us. Joseph Sekaros, thank you for sharing the vision behind Glamorous Dolls with all of us on the Doll Podcast. It's been such a joy and such a pleasure. And also to find out so much about the artistic journey is always one of the most interesting things I can explore with any doll maker. And you've told us so much. I really appreciate all the things you've shared. Well, thank you so very much, Louise. 
it's it's such a wonderful opportunity that you are giving someone like me to talk about uh, something they've created on their own and sort of getting that information across to the other side of the world. Yeah, and and uh, so I'm very thankful for that. So thank you so very much. Well, it's so much my pleasure and it's such a joy because getting those stories out there, they interest all of us so much. And I think with this story, you don't even have to collect dolls if you're just interested in art or fashion or animation. You've just touched on so many wonderful things. So thank you again, Joseph, for sharing all that with us. It's been such a joy and I've really loved it. Absolutely, me too. Thank you again. (laughs) To find out more about the Doll Podcast or learn more about Glamour Oz Dolls, please go to our Facebook and Instagram pages, The Doll Podcast, or go to our website, www.dollpodcast.com. 